Our scripture lesson for this morning, the third Sunday of Lent, comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 17. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go on ahead of the people, take some of the elders of Israel with you, take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that my people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Goes without saying, there's a theme in that reading that the people are thirsty. I can relate to that. This past Tuesday, I had an appointment to get a blood draw, kind of a normal routine yearly thing. I'm not sick, don't worry. But uh, to, to get my blood levels checked, you know, like people do. And if you've ever had that done, you know you're supposed to fast ahead of time for about 12 hours. Now, normally, when I do something like this, I try and set my appointment for as early as possible, 8, 8.30, 9 in the morning, so it's not super late. But I didn't even realize I was gonna do this until the afternoon before, and so the earliest appointment I could get was 10.45 in the morning. So I had to fast for a while. What was funny about it, maybe not funny, but the whole situation, in the morning I'm not a big breakfast eater. I don't tend to eat a lot of breakfast, but I like to have a glass of water. And I'm a Lutheran pastor, so you know I gotta have my coffee, right? No coffee, no water. I had to wait. Now I took it with me over to Omaha. I had my thermos, I had my jug of water, but I couldn't have a drink until after that blood draw. And by the time 10.45 ran around, I'm like, stick me in the needle, I need a drink of coffee. I think I was more hyper from wanting coffee than I actually was from the coffee itself. I get being thirsty. Now maybe this wasn't a super anxiety-driven situation, but I understand maybe what the Israelites were dealing with. And as I thought about that whole situation, the, my own experience as well as, as what we read in, in the scripture. It reminds me of the scene at the end of the old movie Animal House. You guys remember Animal House? When the heroes have made all hell break loose in this, uh, around this event that's going on. People are running all over the place. They're kind of losing their minds. They're running this way, they're running that way. Things are going crazy. And in the middle of it, there's a very young Kevin Bacon. You remember this? You remember this? All is well, all is well. And then they run over him, which is weird, but that, I've got that in the back of my head. This idea that one person is trying to maintain some idea of, of leadership, some idea of order, when everyone around them is just kind of going a little, a little crazy. That's the sense that we get from the reading today. Now, I love the book of Exodus, it's great. But to really understand what's happening in this brief portion that we've, we've shared for today, we gotta back up a little bit to the beginning of Exodus. Now, Exodus starts off in Egypt. 
The people, the Israelite people, the Hebrew people, they've been there for 400 years in slavery. And they've cried out to God over and over again. And God has shown them that God will show up, that God sides with the underdog, that God doesn't side with the empire, it's the underdog. That's culminated through the 10 plagues, these dis amazing displays of God's power, that God shows the Egyptian people as well as the Israelites, I'm here and I'm doing this on their behalf. Now we know how that works out. In the end, the 10 plagues happen. The Pharaoh finally tells Moses, go ahead and take your people, go out into the wilderness. And then about two seconds later, the Pharaoh's like, wait a second, why did I do that? Let's go chase them down. They end up at the Red Sea. All the army is coming. The people are freaking out. Oh man, here come the Egyptians. They're going to kill us. Moses, what do we do? Moses is like, that's a good question. God, what are we going to do? God's like, hey, dude, stick. Put it over the water. The sea parts. They walk through. They put the stick back over it again. The sea comes back in. All the Egyptians drown. Another display of God's power. And with that, now they're out wandering in the wilderness. Now, we know the story. They wander for 40 years. It's a really long time. But where we pick up today, they've been wandering for about five minutes. It's actually like six weeks, but it's really not very long. And in that time, God has already shown them more than once that God is with them, that God's displays of power are there. And one of them sounds really similar to today. They get to a place and we're like, hey, Moses, we're thirsty. And the only water we have is just this spring that's really, really bitter. We don't want to drink it. Moses is like, huh, that's a problem. God, what do I do? God's like, ah. take your stick, dip it in the water, it'll become sweet. And it does. So God's already shown them, I'll give you water in the wilderness, trust in me. A little bit later, they're like, there's no food out here. What are we going to do? Moses, dude, what are we going to do? God, they want food. Okay. Manna in the wilderness. God provides miraculously for them again. And they're like, this is pretty great. God's giving us food, but manna gets kind of boring. Wish we had meat to eat. Remember when we were in Egypt and we had all that meat? Man, things were good back then. Moses, we want some meat. I'm sure they sounded like whiny little toddlers. <laughs> they probably did, actually. Moses is like, oh, okay, God, they want some meat. God's like, fine. I'll give them so much meat, it's going to come out their nose. I'm not making that up. God literally says that. Meat out their nose. It's weird. I don't want to think about meat coming out my nose. But God provides meat for them. Again, miraculously, God has provided. And then that brings us up to today. They're still wandering, no water, they're thirsty. They yell at Moses. Sounds like there's so much angst and anxiety in the air that they're about ready to kill him. He's the guy in charge, so I guess he gets the blame when things don't go well. God, what do I do with these people? And once again, God says, dude, chill. You know that stick, the same one that you hit the Nile River with and the same one that you parted the Red Sea with? Bring it with you. Bring a few of the elders so they can see what happens. I'm going to be standing on a rock. I'll show you the rock. I'll show you the place. Smack the rock with your stick. Water will come out. And it happens. Now, what's really going on here? Did God do something miraculous? Yeah, maybe. I mean, water out of a rock because Moses hit it with a stick. Either it's a miraculous situation or somehow there happens to be some sort of an aquifer that's so close to the surface that when he taps it with a stick, it breaks the rock and water comes out. I don't know exactly what's going on, but we hear God shows him where and it happens. God shows them again. Yes, I am in your midst. I will provide for you. 
And what I love about this whole situation, we hear it here, we heard it in that story of, of remember the food we had in Egypt. They keep thinking back. Remember how good it was when we were still in Egypt? We had all the water we could drink. We had all the food that we could eat. Things were wonderful. I wish we were still there, forgetting that they were slaves. They were literally enslaved, and they were suffering at the whim. And they had sent 400 years like, hey, God, this stinks. We don't like it. And then they get out in the desert, and things get angsty. And they're like, hey, remember that that was great. Can we go back there? People have really short memories, don't we? There's, yeah, kind of. <laughs> Somebody said <laughs> The anxiety's in the air, and it all seems to be focusing around the question that we hear at the very tail end of the reading. Is God with us or not? Is God in our midst or not? Things are happening, we don't know what, we can't figure out what's going on, things are bad, things are unknown, is God here? Boy, that doesn't sound familiar, does it? I thought people would laugh a little bit more at that. We can relate, right? Think about the last few weeks as we've started to hear news of this mysterious illness that's in different parts of the country, or not the country, excuse me, in different parts of the world. And then a little bit more time went on and everybody's kind of like, well, I don't know, maybe it's something to be worried about, maybe it's not, it'll probably blow over, I don't know. And then a little bit more time went on and all of a sudden, oh shoot, it's in the US. And then a little bit more time went on, and oh shoot, it's in Omaha, and oh shoot, now it's in Iowa. Think about this past week. Think about the last few days. I don't know about you, but Thursday, which was when things were really kind of starting to come to a head, uh, Diane can attest to this, I was losing my mind trying to figure out what do we do? How do we make wise decisions for our congregation? How do we care for the people who are at risk? How do we not buy into hype when we don't really know what's going on? And yet, how do we be careful with this? And I was making her phone ring off the hook. Diane, what do we do? And she's like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, she was really helpful, but I'm getting off topic. It was in the air. Did anybody else feel that? You could almost just feel the tension. You could feel the anxiety. It was palpable. And I think we're still there because we don't know what's gonna happen here. We don't know if this is just gonna blow over. We don't know if we're all gonna end up infected and die, I hope not. We don't know. And maybe we're all asking the question, God, where are you on this? Are you here? Are you with us or not? That's a real question because things are scary. But I thought a lot about the history of the Israelites at the point in the story where I read, God has already shown them time and time and time and time again. I am with you. I will provide for you in a miraculous way. They literally end up building a tent where the presence of God as a cloud lives among them. That's already part of their history. They know God is with us. There are signs that God is with them. And I believe the same as the, the same is true for us now. We have seen signs of God's presence in our lives. Maybe right now when anxiety has us all a little bit freaked out, that can be hard to see, but those signs are still there. And I think it's our job as followers of Christ, as believers in Christ, as people of God, to point that out to one another when 
maybe I get a little bit freaked out. I need someone to kind of calm me down, and Diane did that for me the other day. Maybe you have that within your families. Maybe you have that with your neighbors. We've got these wonderful things in our pockets known as cell phones that you could even make phone calls on, I'm told. We can reach out to one another. We can check in on each other. We can do that for one another, and not just for our fellow believers, but we can do that for everyone. We can check on our neighbors, even if they don't go to church. Oh, no, darn. We can still shine God's light and be present for them there. I think that's our call in these uncertain times, in these uneasy times, when none of us know what's going to go on. Now, there's some other signs that we have as well, and I'm grateful for them. Signs that, yes, God is with them. One of them happens right here in the font. We've been washed in the waters of baptism. We've been claimed by God. That doesn't go away. Likewise, we have Holy Communion. And if you choose not to take it today, that's okay, because God's grace is still for you. That's the promise of the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel, that even though we don't deserve it, God has come to us and dwelled among us, literally in the case of Jesus. And the promise is that we will never be forsaken, and God will be with us always. Let's hold on to that in the midst of uneasy times. Let's remember, yes, God is with us, even if it might not feel like it. And together, we'll figure out how to get through this. Sound like a plan? All right, amen. Yeah. Do I have a stick somewhere? Okay, I gotta shut off my recording real quick.